Welcome to Kingdom Talk, the podcast where we talk all about things kingdom. I'm your host, Mark Banyard, and I'll be interviewing a variety of people who, through their lives and ministries, have been committed to advancing the kingdom of God. Church planters, church leaders, pioneers of missions and ministries, both at home as well as abroad. So let's go straight to today's episode of Kingdom Talk. My guest today is Ian Richardson. Ian is a pioneer, a pastor, an educator, and an author. He began his professional journey as a civil engineer, but ended as a counselor and coach to many. His life journey demonstrates the power of tenacity to learn from the difficulties, embrace hardships, and achieve a fulfilling and fruitful life in Christ. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good it's great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you with us, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, we caught up the other day. We had a lovely chat and got really got into some, I thought, some interesting discussions with regard to the church and the kingdom. And so um, invited you to um, come back and to do this podcast today. So, uh, yes, um, let's get right into it. So we hear a lot about the church. We hear a lot about the kingdom. How are they similar? How are they different in your understanding? Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth. He didn't teach us to pray, thy church be built on earth. Mm -hmm. um, I think the church is intended to be an expression of the kingdom of God, but it's not the kingdom of God. Um, the lowest common denominator of the kingdom of God is the individual. Um, uh, the kingdom is within us. And what's within us then flows out of us. Um, the church is, should be a place to nurture and to grow and to send. Mm. And if I think back to... Uh, uh, my early years, uh, when I first came into ministry, first went off to Bible college, it was about sending. And a theme that was uh, in the church that I belonged to uh, was a, a book written by the late Leo Harris called Operation Outreach. And in a period of a few short years, there were many churches planted because they sent people out. Um, and we did what the scripture was saying. You, you didn't go out with a salary and, and you know, start making an organisation. Right. You went out as an individual. You were self-funded. Uh, you got a job. You lived in the community and you built relationship with people. But we always knew we had a support base that was back there, that our sending church, if you like, Um but what I see has happened, and the church growth movement in the 1980s, I think, is one of the biggest obstacles to church growth because the church growth movement encouraged us to grow the organisational church 
And I remember one seminar that I was at said, well, if you, your church isn't big enough to employ a secretary to help you to release you, then you need to grow your church even bigger. Um, and, and it was all about getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And so we develop all our programs within the church to cater for Christians that actually stops them from expressing the kingdom of God out in the world because we don't connect with the world very much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think of all the programs in the churches where I pastored over the years, how many of those programs were related to outreach? Not many. They were more related to keeping people happy, if I might be as cynical as that. Uh, am I allowed to be cynical? Uh, uh, yep. As long as you're in process. <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> I remember doing a uh, a consultancy with a church a number of years ago, and I was looking at what the values of the church are and looking at their mission statement and their values, and, and their highest value was outreach. So I, I then asked the question, Okay, how many of your programs within the church are geared towards the unchurched in the community? And there weren't any. I said, well, don't tell me your value is outreach to the community. It's just a nice idea that you've got. Right. They didn't invite me back again. That was (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite too sure why. Uh, but, But you see... That's what I think has has been happening within the church is that it's become this organisation. We've talked about it being an organism, which is what I think it's intended to be, Mm -hmm. but we've developed it into an organisation and the organisation becomes a business and the business is about growing in numbers Mm -hmm. and paying for more pastors to support the people who are congregating within the church mm-hmm. and the amount of time Christians have to be light and salt in the community has got less and less and less. The desire to be light and salt in the community has got less and less and less because it's easier to hide within the confines of church organisation and the programs mm-hmm. that are within the church. So coming back to your question, the, the difference between the church and the kingdom, the kingdom of God is an expression of God within the world. The church is a group of Christians that have gathered together and build an organisation to support themselves um, hopefully to provide care and community, mm-hmm. hopefully to equip. And they would say that they are equipping. But I sit back now in my retirement years after 45 odd years of ministry and look at the church in a slightly different way than what I looked at it when I was a, a young pastor. Mm-hmm. Um you know, where the church has got to be there to equip. The ministry is there to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. And the ministry is not just within the church organisation. 
it's out in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. So I was just going to say, listening to you, that just coming back to you with this. So you're saying that the church was created for the kingdom rather than the kingdom created for the church? Yeah, that, that's that, that's a way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when Jesus built his church, it wasn't an organization as we know it today. Mm. It was a bunch of people from all walks of life most of whom we would never choose to be part of our organization because <laughs> mm-hmm. they were rebels. <laughs> but Jesus chose them and he equipped them and then he sent them out. Mm-hmm. He, you know, um, the day of Pentecost was about sending out, about right. reaching out, equipping them to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel. Um, Jesus said, uh, go into all the world and lo, I will be with you always. Uh, we like the lo, I will be with you, but if you want the low, you've got to go. Uh, mm. And if we're not going, we're actually um, limiting, holding back the kingdom. I, I look, you know, Habakkuk 2.14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth doesn't consist of the church. It's not about the church getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and so becoming an influence. It's about the kingdom of God infiltrating, permeating, being in the world around about us that consists of government, health, commerce, business, education, religion, recreation, family, the I call them the, the seven realms of society. And if the kingdom of God is going to fill all the earth, then we as Christians need to have permeated the whole society. Mm-hmm. But the tendency is to withdraw into the four walls of the church because it's much safer. So if a church, and I'm using that in a very general sense, perhaps I mean it in a local church local congregational sense. If the church has no focus on outreach and is not intentional, it has an intent, but it's not being intentional about outreach. Do they then, do they then cease to be what Jesus created them to be? No, but they are only part of what Jesus created them to be. Uh, and I'm, let, let me add in here, maybe clarifying a little, that, that outreach needn't be a program of the church. Okay. But it's got to be the result of the church. Um, so if the programs of the church keep people within the four walls of the church, and I mean, in a lot of churches, you can go to church meetings nearly every day of the week. True. And it's often expected that if you're committed to the church, you're going to be committed to attend X number of Most of those meetings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what do those do? They stop you from engaging well with your own family. They stop you engaging with your neighbours. They stop you 
engaging in the sporting club down the road because a lot of their activities happen to be on a Sunday and you've got to be in church on a Sunday or a Saturday and you've got your youth meetings on a Saturday. Um, they stop you being engaged in a whole lot of things. What we're left with is going to work um, for many people that involves at least 60 hours a week. You might only be working 40 hours a week, but you've got travel to and fro from work. You've got uh, longer hours that people work today than, than what perhaps many have worked in the past, at least here in Australia. Mm. Um, the average person is, whilst they might be employed 40 hours in a week, uh, many of them have to have two jobs in order to pay the pay the bills at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, work involves a huge amount of time. So, And then you add church in, which adds a huge amount of time if you're attending the meetings that you're expected to attend. Um, what suffers? Family suffers and your ability to interact with the world around about us. I, I can look back at times in my life um, particularly when I was in ministry, uh, when I was pastoring a church, I would only ever meet Christians. Uh, and I had to intentionally go outside that. And I remember going to a, a, a seminar once that was not a church-related seminar. It was a business seminar, and I was the only pastor that was there. And I probably wasn't the only Christian but I was the only one that and everybody knew was a Christian because they asked, what do you do? Right. Well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the best seminars I've ever been to. <laughs> I was interacting with, with ordinary people and the ordinary things of life, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, in my retirement now, we've built community around us in our neighbourhood, which I've never had before, um, and it's wonderful. As neighbours, we meet together, we have meals together, we have coffee together, we stand out in the road chatting. That was, you know, through COVID, we're all in lockdown, but we stood out on our front nature strips and chatted to each other. <laughs> uh, and, and we became community. Mm. We don't go to the organised church. Uh, we're of different backgrounds. Um, but... Do they love the Lord? I think they do. Mm. Do we pray together? No, but we support each other mm. enormously and we're able to talk openly with each other. We're able to talk about the things of God. Yeah, they come up every now and again, mm. not as much as what I would like sometimes, but then again I've learned that it's not about me pushing the kingdom on others. It's about the Holy Spirit opening up opportunities mm -hmm. for them. But I've got to be there ready when the opportunities are open. Right, right. And if all I'm doing is is spending my community time with other Christians, I'm not going to be there for my neighbours mm -hmm. when the Holy Spirit opens up opportunity right. to talk. Right. I feel like I'm starting to wander a bit. <laughs> no, no, you're you're right on target. So um, when you talk about outreach, um, a, a real 
key to understanding your definition of outreach is that um, is community is having a community that is outside of the four walls of the church. We're talking about outreach, but community mm-hmm. is the context for outreach to happen. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And um, does your definition also imply that um, in community and I, that that at some point it gives you in building relationship, it gives you opportunity to begin to share the love of God with others? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what it means to be light and salt in the, in our community. Now, the, the city set, set on a hill can't be hidden, yeah. but you take the light and put it under a bushel. And, and let me suggest that um, the city set on the hill is the light in the midst of the yeah. broader community, mm. the, the, the lamp that's mm. set under the bushel is the Christian hiding away in the church. <laughs> um, when I was church planting back in the 1970s, that's gone back an awful long way now. Uh, 1976, we planted our first church. But I went into a country town, um, developed a practice as a consulting engineer because that was what my profession was before I, well, as I journeyed into ministry, um, built a consulting engineering practice. Um, I then was meeting with businessmen, councils, um, you name it, my comments were on the often on the front page of the local newspaper, uh, but I was in the community, and it was from that base of being in the community, being respected by the community, that I believe that I was then able to develop the church as more of a community, and we grew as a church. Mm. Um, uh, yeah doing what we could to reach out to the community around about us. So, so when, the, when the church becomes a community uh, in and of itself, inward focus, you might say, then it really begins to threaten uh, the agenda, which is to disciple people, to send them out, to reach the four corners of the earth. The thing that I've come to realize I think, well, it's it's what I perceive at any rate, is that the church has been good at discipling to such a degree that they think discipling has to go on forever and ever and ever. Mm. And we keep the Christian as a babe rather than allowing them to grow as an adult. We need our programs within the church that help disciple new believers. But you're not a new believer forever and a day. Hopefully not. (laughs) No. So what do you do when you're not a new believer? Well, you take the other new believers and you disciple them. But hey, let's face it, if you've got new believers coming in, it means that you've got outreach taking place and the kingdom is going to be growing. Mm. Um, how many churches have programs that are truly discipling new Christians? 
our small groups are set up for more mature Christians. We hope that we're going to have young ones in there to disciple, but do we really? Mm-hmm. Um, my experience has been that most of it is about the Christians who are mature in the church gathering together and supporting and caring each other, but they're not out in the community yeah. they're doing that. Yeah. They're hibernating. Yeah, I'm sure you would agree that there are some um, churches out there that are doing an amazing job. They, yes. you know, they are in a sense the example of of the way it should be done. Nobody's yeah. perfect, of course, but they're really kind of ticking all the boxes. And um, and of course, we're very quick to put them on a pedestal and rush to their conferences and learn the way that they did it. So we can go home and do it the way that they did it. So we can have that kind of a success, but, but and um, discover yeah. that we don't have success at all because it doesn't work for us. Well, that's right. You know, is it transferable? Often, often not. I mean, there's always something to glean, always something to learn. Yeah. But my experience just agreeing with you here is that a lot of Sunday morning teaching, preaching, is to encourage and edify the body of Christ. Some would say to motivate, okay, I'll give you that. But um, of any congregation, how many people are actually babes in Christ? And, many. You know, and I've traveled around and I've been to a lot of ch- different churches, and, I get, and I'm saying there are the exceptions and they're doing a yeah. fabulous job, but the reality is, is that we're teaching people who are so taught that it's it's certainly not discipleship anymore. It's something else. And and that perhaps is a you know addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah. yeah. I I remember uh a woman coming to me once and I'd been preaching a series on on um I think from uh, at that time uh, uh the new creation becoming a new creation in Christ and the cross of Calvary and and the efficacy of the blood of Christ for us and so forth and some of the foundational stuff. And this woman came to me and and she said, I'm leaving the church. I said, well, why? She said, well, uh, I want deep teaching. I said, (laughs) <laughs> so what do you mean by deep teaching? She said, oh, you know, that teaching that's so deep you can't understand it. Oh. <laughs> and it was a number of years later she came back into the church and she came back and, and she apologised to me. She said, Ian, um, I realise that I actually didn't know the foundations that mm. I needed to know. Mm. And I want to come back and get grounded. And she stayed in the church and she became a pillar within the church. Um, uh, and was then able to take that same message out to others. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember she uh, she was out of town visiting uh, a sister or something. I think it might have been probably several hours drive away from where we were. And she she had been sharing about Christ, and the, the sister said, "Well, I'd like to become a Christian." She got on the phone to me and said, "I want to bring her to you 
so you can lead it to Christ. I said, no, 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 no. It's for you to lead it to Christ. Well, I don't know how to do it. Well, you know how you came to Christ. You know what it means. Yes. That's all you've got to share. There's nothing deep and meaningful about this. Well, it's meaningful, but there's nothing real deep about this. Not complicated. That's the word. It's not complicated. Keep it simple. And she led a sister, or I think it was was either a sister or a friend, to the Lord on the beach um, many miles away and came back glowing, rejoicing that she'd been able to do it. And that's what's meant to happen. Hmm. Wonderful. In the in the quietness of the way, we don't have to make a song and dance about it. You know, um, hmm. we don't have to have hands raised in church and come to the front and with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, we don't need that. We need people one on one just mm-hmm. coming to Christ mm-hmm. and the kingdom expanding. And the kingdom within the individuals. When when I look at the Sermon on the Mount, it was actually about equipping us to live in the kingdom of God. Yeah, Jesus imparting character that the character of of the follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, the the conduct and the the endurance that we need, and, and he outlines it all for us in the Sermon on the Mount, being poor in spirit, mourning and hunger is about, and becoming pure is about building character within mm. us, mm. Um, being meek and merciful and being a peacemaker is about the conduct that we have. Um, and the endurance is a, about sticking with it when we get beaten to pulp as a result. But you only get beaten to pulp when you're out in the world. So his his whole message of endurance, the needing endurance there at the end of Matthew chapter 5, uh, is only relevant if we're outside the church in the midst of the broader community, building community with others, be it in the sporting club, be it in the workplace be it wherever it is, but building those relationships out there and Mm -hmm. being salt and light. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. And that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Kingdom Talk. Plan to join us next time when I'll continue my conversation with Dr. Ian Richardson about all things kingdom. Bye for now, and may God bless.